Hello, everyone. This is the Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. I'm Amy Boris, Deputy Director of CII. Our topic today is a look ahead to the 2019 proxy season, which is just getting started. Our guest is Pat McGurn, Special Counsel and Head of Strategic Research and Analysis at Institutional Shareholder Services. ISS is the leading proxy advisory firm that provides independent research and recommendations to institutional investors to help inform their proxy voting and engagement decisions. It also executes votes on behalf of its investor clients, and ISS is an associate member of CII. Welcome, Pat, and thanks for speaking with me today. Thanks, Amy. Glad to be here. First, I'd like you to set the stage for us for 2019 by recapping the top trends you saw in last year's proxy season, and then I'm going to ask you five questions about the 2019 proxy season. So to get us started, briefly, what are your top takeaways from 2018? Well, in many ways, the 2018 proxy season was an inflection point in the ESG timeline as both investors and boards reassessed and in some instances actually reordered their priorities. Nowhere was the shift more evident than in the boardroom. Via their ballots and their engagement requests, investors called on directors to address a wide variety of concerns such as data privacy, firearm safety, sexual harassment, opioid abuse, and climate change. While some parties in the business community really dismissed these concerns as societal or political in nature, investors often viewed them as material core strategic or operational risks at many of the companies where they appeared on ballots. The result was a series of sizable no votes against directors who failed in their oversight responsibilities related to these concerns, and also high support for shareholder resolutions calling for reports on these risks from boards of directors. Uh, Notably, boards also continued to refresh their ranks, including a record number of additional women directors during the year. On the compensation front, shareholder skepticism over ever-rising pay levels led to a big jump in the average opposition on, say, on pay resolutions and historically high levels of 30% plus negative votes and outright failures. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, on environmental and social issues, uh, they, well, continued their stay at the top of the shareholder proposal mountain. Uh, Rising support levels led to record numbers for both proposals receiving majority support and for engagements leading to the withdrawal of resolutions. In sharp contrast to that, though, uh, shareholder proposals appeared to lose momentum uh, on the governance side of the equation as the focus shifted to perennial concerns such as special meetings, written consent rights, independent shares, and and one share, one vote. Uh, Finally, the 2018 proxy season was heavily impacted by public policy issues, both at the federal and state level. Tax reform, for example, ignited a wave of buybacks driven by repatriated earnings. Tax reform also impacted stock plan proposal volumes by voiding the shareholder approval requirement for performance-based awards. And obviously, it was the, uh, the debut of the CEO media and employee pay ratio disclosures, which hit the ballot for the first time. We also saw states getting into the mix much more, such as the uh, the gender quota statute passed in California. I think, uh, but that's a that's a roundup of, of last year, at least. That's great. Thanks. Now on to 2019. So over the past six months, really since the proxy season last year wound up, the business climate has darkened. The global economy has slowed. Borrowing costs have climbed. Trade tensions have worsened, and stock prices have gyrated. Will these trends filter through to shareholder company engagement and proxy voting this year? And if so, how? Well, the the best answer at this point is probably maybe, as uncertainty Mm -hmm. really has emerged as the buzzword for investors and directors as we enter the 2019 proxy season. 
As you noted, recent market volatility does reflect a a significant number of macroeconomic challenges the market faces rather than scandals or or other uh, types of sector-wide meltdowns that we've seen in the past. So it's hard to say um, that we'll see any new campaigns uh, because I just don't think investor angst has reached a level or it started in really the last quarter of the year last year. And so, for example, I don't think we'll see any new or really different uh, shareholder proposal campaigns for 2019 on the governance front, reflecting concerns over um, shortfalls in boardroom oversight. Uh, instead, I, I think we're more likely to see ad hoc campaigns uh, triggered by risk oversight failures, disclosures of, well, let's say, pay for performance disconnect, or, or just plain old bad boardroom behavior. Notably, uh, many boards could find themselves in uncharted waters. The uh, unprecedented boardroom turnover that I mentioned earlier that we've seen over the last couple of years although in in many ways uh, clearly long overdue, has seated many first-time directors who have frankly never dealt with an economic downturn, so they'll have to do some uh, learning on the job there. Uh, Early signs are encouraging, however, as most boards appear to be proactively engaging with their investors to head off potential controversies. I've heard from our clients at boards with baggage uh, from their 2018 meetings, especially uh, members of comp panels with low stay-on-pay results, have been making the round. And the relatively small number of majority votes on shareholder proposals in 2018 also means that fewer directors find themselves in the hot seat over responsiveness concerns. Thank you. My my second question also concerns boards, and they have been under pressure from hedge fund activists over the past few years. Is that pressure waning at all? Do you think this year we're going to see more of it? Well, the the ever-expanding hedge fund defense industry complex has has clearly cried wolf in recent years by, (laughs) I think, really overhyping the threat posed by activists. But proxy voters and directors should probably pay a little more attention in 2019 for a few reasons. First, a market with few uh, true value plays a year ago is now brimming with them. I think, uh, uh, and many activist funds are, are armed with plenty of cash, and they're highly motivated to make their investors forget 2018's red ink. Uh, second, the number of investors looking for alpha in their portfolio grows whenever markets turn south. So calls for buyouts, uh, sales, carve-outs, and spin-offs, and other means of potentially unlocking value will likely rise and, and draw support. A third. Lower prices also send companies on spending sprees, so look for activist funds to force directors to literally squeeze every dollar out of would-be acquirers. And then finally, there's just been, a, I think, a return to uh, support for dissidents. After a couple of years where less than 50% of dissidents were successful in the contest that went to votes at annual meetings, Last year, activists' battling average jumped by about 15 percentage points as proxy voters backed a distance objectives around 60% of the time. So things are prime for sort of an activism a comeback on the hedge fund front. Interesting. Okay, question three. I recall hearing you say, oh, it was about a year ago or so, that the E and the S are the new G, meaning environmental and social issues are overtaking governance issues as the dominant themes of proxy season. Will that become more pronounced in 2019? Yes. We don't expect the overall shareholder proposal pie to grow in 2019, but the slice taken up by ENS concerns is likely to be bigger than ever. A couple of the hot topics were, well, uh, you know, while 2019 is an off-federal election year in the U.S., uh, the volume of proposals seeking to boost disclosure-related political spending and lobbying campaigns is expected to hold steady and could actually increase some given that this is likely to be an issue up on Capitol Hill after the midterm elections. 
Human capital management also likely to expand, really fanned by the, the spreading boardroom fires ignited by the Me Too movement. Look for human capital issues to continue to move up the list of shareholder proposal concerns. In 2018, the campaign aimed at improving disclosure around gender pay disparities uh, spread from Silicon Valley to the financial services sectors and drew a lot of headlines and also negotiated settlements as boards scrambled to get out in front of that issue. That campaign will continue with a, a few new asks that the, and uh, other initiatives in this area are also likely to emerge. And when we talk about new proposals a little bit later, I'll mention a couple of specific initiatives. Uh, next, uh, human rights, um, a wide range of proposals related to supply chain risk and, and due diligence processes, including resolutions uh, addressing human trafficking and some new campaigns related to U.S. immigration policy are going to hit ballots this spring. And we're also seeing a, a sort of a resurgence of interest in uh, proposals to tie uh, CEO pay to ES&G factors, efforts to prod boards to include metrics and pay programs that measure performance on various environmental and social factors I think, uh, and risks related to them, uh, ranging on everything from sustainability to a uh, campaign this year regarding drug pricing risk will uh, grow. I think, uh, and then finally, uh, as I mentioned, from 2018, we expect to see uh, operational risks uh, stemming from ESG issues continuing to impact the boards and show up in the form of shareholder resolutions. We do expect to see shareholders press boards on how they oversee management of operational risks stemming from high-profile environmental and social issues, as was the case in 2018 expect proponents to ask a lot of questions to drug makers and distributors about the measures that they're taking to manage risks related to opioids in the U.S. So the social issues will be especially prominent again this year. Last year, we saw some investor coalitions emerge to press these issues, particularly on gun safety and the opioid epidemic. Some of these were um, kind of a cast of strange bedfellows, folks who don't usually link arms. Do you think this trend will increase? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the investor coalition phenomenon because it's one of the most significant yet really underappreciated developments of the last couple of years. I, I call these groups the tea parties, that's T-party, uh, uh, not uh, T-E-A, of the investment scene, since most of them claim collective AUMs for their members that are denominated not in billions, but in trillions of dollars. And, and boards are, are very good at math. As a result, we, uh, we see actions coming from the shells, BPs uh, and Chevrons of the world on climate change disclosure risks, for example, because they know that more than 300 investors with more than $32 trillion in assets under management have signed on to the Climate Action 100 Plus uh, statement. And those folks will come knocking on the boardroom door whether or not the uh, the board members want to answer it, I think. Uh, and uh, while groups that have um, mainstream asset managers standing arm in arm with public funds and SRI investors, as you mentioned, sort of looks like strange bedfellows today, they're quickly becoming uh, BFFs. I think uh, as asset managers look to hit the ground running on ES&G, they're often actually hiring longtime players from the responsible investing industry or NGOs to, to come work in their shops. And this cross-pollination is uh, really breaching the walls that traditionally separated these groups. And we're even seeing sort of variations on the themes in the creation of some of these coalitions. High votes on gun safety proposals, for example, prompted the formation of the coalition that crafted the principles for responsive uh, firearm industry. 
uh, one of the newest tea parties with the members collective AUM there hitting in the $5 trillion range. And, and the next evolutionary step may actually be collective engagement at individual issuers. A witness to more than 100 investors with more than uh, $2 trillion in AUM that reached out to Amazon and met with the company recently to talk about their concerns. Right. So last question. Are you seeing any new shareholder proposals or new trends arising this year? I think you alluded to, to some topics that may be relatively new. Yeah, I mean, uh, rising support levels for environmental and social issues are clearly emboldened proponents to raise their asks in their shareholder resolutions. Uh, this is showing up on climate change risk in the wake of uh, growing investor concerns and, and two major climate reports uh, warning of climate change risks and urging immediate action. Expect really escalating numbers uh, of climate change related proposals in 2019. And more of these resolutions will ask boards to adopt and report on science-based greenhouse gas emission reduction goals and to align their goals and metrics with the Paris Agreement's goal of keeping global warming under two degrees Celsius. If these uh, new resolutions uh, gain traction, it'll, it could be the start of a, a broader global trend where other companies in the sectors will come under increasing pressure from institutional investors to start setting hard-coded targets rather than aspirational targets uh, for reducing uh, carbon emissions by 2050. And uh, we're, we're seeing some, uh, as I mentioned earlier, some uh, creativity on the front related to uh, human capital management issues as well. I think um, a new type of proposal targets the inequitable employment practices, such as mandatory arbitration and um, of employment-related claims and non-disclosure agreements, or NDAs. I think the proponents uh, really look at those contractual provisions as stymieing efforts to uncover and address unlawful discrimination and or harassment, I think, uh, by companies. And uh, proponents also uh, seek to spur the debate about uh, workplace practices by encouraging boards to nominate uh, employee representatives uh, for election to boards or to name them the other advisory panels. Uh, clearly, uh, these resolutions echo recent calls from some elected officials to provide substantial board representation to workers. Uh, I, I could go on and on, Amy, but I think we probably uh, just about reached the end of our time. Well, thank you. You're right. This has been great. That concludes our program, and on behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Pat McGurn of ISS, if you have any questions or comments about Pat's remarks or the Council of Institutional Investors, please contact me at amy at cii.org. That's A-M-Y at cii.org. Until next time, I'm Amy Boris. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.